Letter 19 of Young Americans Abroad, or Vacation in Europe, Travels in England, France, Holland, Belgium, Prussia, and Switzerland. Edited by J. O. Chules. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 19, London. Dear Charlie, We are just returned from a most pleasant visit to Sir John Sloane's museum. This gentleman was an architect and a most determined antiquary, and when he died he left his wonderful collection to the nation, having obtained an act of Parliament for preserving it and endowing its maintenance. We obtained a government order and went to the house which was Sir John's private residence in Lincoln's Inn Fields. Never did I behold such a sight. The house is spacious, but every nook and corner, and it is full of unimaginable ones, is filled up with precious matters. Here are Roman and Grecian relics, fragments of vases from Herculaneum, and the far-famed Egyptian sarcophagus brought over by Belzoni. The latter is made of one piece of alabaster, nearly ten feet long. It is inscribed all over with hieroglyphics, and costs Sir John a large sum. I shall see nothing in Europe that will take my fancy as much as this museum, I am sure. There are twenty-five distinct apartments, and if you can find a square foot in the house not occupied, you would do more than I was able to. The catalogue of this museum I shall value highly, and that will give you a better idea than I can of its contents. I had no common pleasure in finding here the original paintings of the Rake's Progress by Hogarth, the engravings of which we have so admired. These pictures were painted in 1734, and were bought by Sir J. Soane in 1802 for five hundred and seventy guineas. And here, too, are Hogarth's great paintings of the election, a series of four pictures. These unrivaled works of comic art were bought of Garrick's widow by Soane in 1823 for sixteen hundred and fifty guineas. The collection of paintings is by no means despicable, and we saw a few pictures not soon to be forgotten. The views of Venice, by Canaletti, are very fine, and there are some gems by Reynolds, Danby, Turner, Hamilton, Lawrence, and Bird. I must tell you how they have economized room in the apartment devoted to pictures. The ceiling is very richly adorned with ornaments, forming arched canopies. On the north and west sides of this room are cabinets, and on the south are movable planes, with space between for pictures. So, in a room of thirteen feet eight inches by twelve feet four inches, there are as many pictures as could be placed on the walls of a gallery of the same height, forty-five feet long and twenty broad. In the crypt is an ancient tomb and models in cork of tombs at Capua. There are some precious souvenirs of Napoleon to be seen, as portraits, miniatures, pistols, and etc., a fine collection of painted glass, and a countless lot of antiques, intaglios, autographs, and watches. If ever you find yourself in London, I charge you to get to this same place for a long morning. In the afternoon we took a steamer and went to Greenwich, five miles from town, to see the hospital for seamen. Charles II built this place for a royal palace, and a noble one it is, but William and Mary gave it up to the use of old and worn-out seamen, and as England owes everything to Jack Tar, it seems fit that, when old and crazy, his last day should be made comfortable." A very large income arises from the exhibition of the fine picture-gallery here to be seen. Here is quite enough to please any one who is curious, and to gratify boys amazingly, and this you will credit when I tell you some things we saw. The coat and waistcoat worn by Nelson when he was killed, on the victory at Trafalgar, models of celebrated ships, original paintings of Sir Walter Raleigh, Sir Cloudsley Shovel, who was lost with all his crew on the Scilly Islands, in Queen Anne's reign, 
Admiral Kempenfeld, lost in the Royal George, 1782, Lord Nelson, Lord Collingwood, and almost all the great naval commanders of Great Britain. Then, too, there are large paintings of the great sea-fights. One of Trafalgar by Turner is very fine, and so is a large one of Nelson's death. There is a room, besides all I have alluded to, called the Nelson Room, and which illustrates all his history, and there are, all about the rooms, some exquisitely fine colossal busts, executed by Flaxman, Bailey, and Westmacott. The chapel is thought to be one of the most beautiful in England. The entire of this great national glory is kept in the cleanest manner, and the only thing to complain of is a want of politeness in the guides. This is in contrast to other places, for we have found the guides very kind and civil at all other places. We have recently visited the Queen's stables, by order from Mr. Lawrence. Everything was very clean and spacious. Some of the horses were exceedingly beautiful. The harness-room made a display. The cream-coloured horses belonging to the state carriage are noble animals. I believe they are brought from Hanover, or came originally thence. The state carriage is an immense lumbering affair, made of carvings and gold. It must be of great weight. The sides are richly painted. It is never used but at the opening of Parliament and similar occasions. The Queen's carriages, which are ordinarily used, are numerous and very elegant, but in good taste. One of our number, you may guess who it was, sadly wanted a hair from the tail of the Queen's favorite riding-horse. The riding-school is spacious, but not much better than a private one that we all know in New York. We took dinner one day at Sawyer's Symposium at Gore House. Sawyer is the great master of ceremonies in London for all matters of the cuisine. Gore House was once the home of Wilberforce and Lord Rodney, but is better known as the residence of the late Countess of Blessington. It is now a hotel. The grounds are extensive, and the trees are some of the finest around London, and I have never seen a lovelier spot of the same size. It is alive with blackbirds, thrushes, linnets, and goldfinches. As you enter you find a vestibule, which is called the cupola of Jupiter Tonans. Through this you pass to the Hall of Architectural Wonders, then to the Blessington Temple of the Muses. This apartment leads to the transatlantic antechamber, which is adorned with all sorts of American emblems. Then there are, in succession, the alcove of white roses, the birth of gems, and other rooms of great gorgeousness. One room is the Palace of the North, which is apparently made entirely of ice, and out of the wall of which is issuing a polar bear. In the pleasure gardens is a baronial hall, one hundred feet long, fifty broad, and thirty high, and besides this an enormous tent, called the encampment for all nations. Here, at a table four hundred feet long, fifteen hundred persons can be dined at a cheap rate. A tablecloth for this affair cost Sawyer two hundred pounds sterling. We had a very pleasant dinner with the Reverend Dr. Harris, President of New College, whose works are so well known in America. The room we occupied was the alcove of the White Roses. The symposium stands near to the Crystal Palace, and accommodates the strangers admirably. That dinner was two days ago. However, I am reminded that another is necessary to-day, and must leave off to prepare for it. I am yours truly, James. End of letter 19. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.